Hi, this is Mo Abdelbaki, and this is episode 14 of my podcast. Welcome to Out of Mo's Mind. Yes, that did take some time, but it didn't take that much time. As a matter of fact, how much time did it take? Let's find out, shall we? Yes, today I'm going to talk about time. I know that was probably ambiguous or even just a little bit dull, but that's okay because time can be ambiguous and dull. As a matter of fact, we all know that time is relative. And boy, did I find that out growing up. But I was always amazingly infatuated with time. It was something that really um, got to me from a very early age. As a matter of fact, some of my earliest memories have to do with time. I'm still a nut about it today. My dad had a watch. It was a beautiful watch. uh, Swiss, and uh, his father had given it to him in 1946, Um, And it was uh, a watch with what they call complications. It um, had the date around the edge, and there was a a hand that would point to that. It would change every day, and there was the phase of the moon, which enthralled me. still does today. Um, I have a watch now that does have the phase of the moon. It's very accurate, remarkably so. And you push a button, and it tells you the moonrise and the moonset and the new moon and the full moon. And uh, it tells you the sunrise and the sunset and, you know, solar noon. And it's just amazing. I'll talk about that a little bit later. It's called a Yes Watch. So if you're interested, go check it out. It's yeswatch.com. And uh, the the guy who started the company is a friend of mine. I like him very much. He's one of us, whatever us is. He's a human being. Uh, He's had a lot more exciting life than most of us, certainly more than I have. Although my life has been quite interesting, I'll say that. Anyway, so my dad had this watch. It was really expensive in 1946. And day and um, the date... And I said the date and the month, all in French, although the date French part looked pretty close to our date French part. And I say our, you know what, all the sevens had little lines. No, they didn't. It was just exactly the same. But, you know, got to be a little goofy when you talk about time uh, because it kind of rules things in many ways, in many ways, most ways. Um, so he wore that on his wrist and I just loved it. And so on the weekends, he wouldn't wear his watch. And I was probably about four, five, maybe. Um, yeah. And so it would, it wouldn't run down. So he would wind it up. He'd have me wind it up. He showed me how to do it very carefully. And, um, then he would have me change the date, uh, with this little pin and you would push in these little, um, buttons on the side and. And I, and I learned how to do all that. And I know I learned to tell time pretty early on because I used to want to get up and watch TV first thing in the morning. I did that for about 50 years. Um, whatever morning was in my particular stage of life, sometimes morning was one or two in the afternoon. Uh, but that's a different story. <clears throat> anyway, so, <laughs> so I would um, go into the bedroom. I was about three. 
you're like, Dad, Dad. And you go, oh. I say, can I turn on the TV? And he'd say, oh, what time is it? And he would reach under his pillow, pull out the watch, and give it to me. And there was always a little bit of dim light on, you know, somewhere in the room. And I'd look at it, and I'd say, you know, like from the hallway or whatever. And I, I was able to tell him. I don't remember learning, but I could tell him. He'd say, oh, no, go back to bed. Momo, it's only 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so I'd go back to bed. And um, But always, boy, I used to love that morning TV show, especially one with just the, uh, the fuzz. I liked that show because it could be almost anything you wanted. And then came on the test pattern, which enthralled me. Back then they had a, um, a chief on the uh, tribal chief on, you know, is the focal point there. And I, I just loved that show, you know. Um, especially when it made that that loud beep noise, and I would turn the TV up, and I'd hear turn it down, you know. So that was early in the morning, anyway. So um, I remember that real clearly. And uh, my dad told me one day, he said, "You can this will be your watch, you know, if you want it." And I said, "Want it? Oh my goodness!" But over the years, things happened, and um, uh, it, it became lost. Became lost over time. So you say, "Okay, that's cool." I mean, it's not cool. I still miss it, not because of what it was, um, but because I absolutely link it to my early um, days as my father's son, you know, and my mother's son as well. That's kind of how that works. Um, and my mom had an alarm clock, and it was um, it was cool because it was very pretty. But when you wound it up, it played with a music box the theme song from The Thin Man, or Harry Lime's theme, you know, la, 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 you know, that's where I can't go too far, because I don't have royalties uh, that I need to pay for this, so, but anyway, and, and I, I was about the same age, and I would just do it over and over and over again, and I'm sure they hated that after a while, um, so I was fascinated with this idea of time as being more than time, I mean, from a very early age, I, I, I knew the television schedules by heart, you know, Captain Kangaroo, or if it was a Saturday morning, you know, Bugs Bunny cartoons, The Three Stooges, um, you know, Roy Rogers and Dale Evans, their show, Sky King, out of the blue, the western sky comes Sky King, and today you couldn't get away with that because, and his ward, Penny, and of course it was completely innocent, he was actually taking care of her, but you know, times change, and when times change, you know, can you imagine that today? Um, wow, it's just really too bad. There was a show called Bachelor Father. Remember that with John Forsyth? And uh, then there was Family Affair with uh, Brian Keith. Um, you know, times have changed. Now there's all this, it's, it's, well, this is the way the world maybe always has been. But now we're acknowledging it. And if it does good things, that's better for us, isn't it? Better for our children and our grandchildren. Now, yeah, at least that's what I think. So... I also had this idea of time as being very important, very important. I like to keep track of the days of the week because I went to a nursery school on Thursday and Tuesday, I think it was, and, and one day I got up and uh, I thought it was the wrong day, so I went to nursery school by myself. My mom was next door having a cup of coffee with a neighbor or something, and I just took off four years old. You know That did not go well. Um, and I had, I had no idea where I was going. I just said, oh, I'll just go, you know. I guess I imagined that there was some wormhole or a portal where I would suddenly, whoop, there I would be. 
Actually, you know, I, I think I did once do that and ended up at the nursery school and they were freaked out. I remember it was afternoon and I was surprised because none of my friends were there. They must have thought this kid is an idiot and they had me, they said, stay right here. And instead I took off. It was a different time, <laughs> you know, um, eventually I was found, um, I remember that very clearly. See, it's been a long time ago, but there's some things that stick in your mind so clearly that you just can't, time can't erase them. I think that's an adrenaline thing or, um, I mean, I could still see that beautiful day and, and some dandelions and bees kind of flooding about them. And that's what they do. They flut. And uh, I do flut every now and then, but it's not like bees. Uh, that's a different story. So, I've always been fascinated with time and timekeeping. I got my first watch in Disneyland, the same trip that I got to sit next to Walt Disney on a bench across from the theater that was patterned after the Aggie Theater in Fort Collins, Colorado, the very city upon which town, village, <laughs> which I grew up. Um, but I got a Zorro watch. I was a huge Zorro fan, you know. Come out of the night when the full moon is bright. Comes a horseman known as, you know, all that. I loved that show. I loved it. And um, <laughs> I think if I saw one now, I'd probably go, wow. I saw an old Mickey Mouse Club. One I even happened to remember. And uh, I couldn't believe how moralistic it was. I mean, it was so incredibly propagandized. And at the time, I just thought nothing of it. I mean, I think the most the most message-ridden Captain Kangaroo ever was, was remember the magic words, please and thank you. Now, maybe there was more than that, you know. But, um, see, my generation, and I'm a baby boomer, I was born mid-century, um, mid-mid-century, in other words, the middle of the mid-century, a little before, um, we were raised with this constant idea of of um, the way things were before we came along, and it was they tried the other generation, uh, much to their credit. They, you know, they um, what else are they going to do? But they tried to instill a lot of those values within us, which is why I think when the Grateful Dead sang uh, the U.S. Blues, uh, wave that flag, wave it wide and high. And Jimi Hendrix said, I'm going to let my freak flag fly. I think they're both talking about the same flag. And that is that we're different. And boy, were we different. Uh, it was a very different time to use that term. Um, yeah, Zorro watch. So I had that Zorro watch and I, I ended up, we, my mom and I went to Egypt uh, to see her parents and, and some other things when I was about seven years old. And I took that Zorro watch with me and wound it up every day. And someone wound it, overwound it, and it broke. It wasn't me because I knew how because I had, you know, been winding my dad's watch for so long. So that was the first watch I'd ever had. And eventually, so because I wore it broken for a long, long time. And I, I guess there weren't any watch repair people in Egypt. I know that's not true. They just didn't feel like doing it. Um, and so... My next watch, which was really kind of important to me, I didn't have a watch, not one that worked. Um, 
And I, boy, when I was in school as a kid, I would sit and just watch the clock. It fascinated me. I'll jump ahead a little bit. When I was in the sixth grade, I had a teacher who was very annoyed by the fact that I had my watch on the desk. And uh, so what he did is he brought me in. He said, oh, he took it and he put it in his desk and said, you can get this at the end of the year. I don't think I ever got it. I don't remember getting it. Maybe I did. Um, I wanted it. Maybe he was wearing it. I don't know. It's not that. Um, so he had me come in every every day for detention during lunch and turn my desk toward the clock on the wall and watch it for an entire hour. And I loved that. Uh, I know I'm, that's like, oh, this guy's really weird. Well, you're right. I was really weird. And so I would just sit there and watch the clock second by second. And I discovered the true nature of time. It was. It became like a meditation for me. I couldn't wait after until after lunch to go in and turn my chair around and stare at the clock for an hour. And it really upset him because it didn't have the effect. I was still kind of a creepy kid and still loudmouth and <laughs> all that stuff. But it was truly a, a remarkable lesson for me into the importance of understanding the very nature of time and that I understood relativity from that. Because there were times when I would sit there and it would take forever. And I would actually begin to go, God, this has got to... And then other times when I would just sit there and suddenly it was over. Um, I was probably meditating in some way or something else or just having some sort of uh, episode. (laughs) You never know. Um, When I was 10 years old, my parents bought me a watch for my birthday. It was a Timex. Uh, It had glow-in-the-dark, you know, uh, radium probably uranium or, you know, something explosive uh, to light the dial, Uh, you know, the numbers around the dial, just little dots, and on the hands. I loved that watch. I slept with it. Where would I sleep with it? Under my pillow. Um, And it had a spandex wristband. Now, for those of you who don't remember the spandex wristband, uh, it was metal, and it expanded, and it broke very easily. So well within probably about six months, the band broke up on my watch. And it never got fixed, so it became a pocket watch. And to this day, I still think, you know, I really maybe will get a pocket watch someday, but I don't want to stop wearing the watch I'm wearing, so I'll probably have a watch on my hand and a watch in my pocket. Now, that just seems wrong. I, I don't know why it seems wrong, but it seems kind of... I mean, I, I have a pocket watch, and the the... The um, battery left on it. And by the way, I do like quartz watches. There's nothing wrong with them. I like mechanical watches too. I've had a lot of them. Um, But, you know, there's something about that quartz crystal. It only works for a couple of years. There are some now that are up to five or six years. The one I have now, the one uh, Bjorn put together, is chargeable. Yeah. You charge it and it goes for three months. And eventually, like every five, six, seven years, you have to exchange the batteries. But, but man, oh man, you recharge it. I mean, how smart is that? But I've got one here. It's a cool one. It's a pocket watch. I'm looking at it, and it has a, the, the battery kind of died a long time ago. But when you open it up, I mean, there's a watch on the outside. You say, oh, yeah, it says quarter to 12. It's nowhere near that. But when you open it up, it's a little model of Stonehenge. Now, if you go to look it up, Stonehenge pocket watch, it's really kind of cool. Of course, it's, it's of no real use at all. Um, you can't tell time. <laughs> you can't. It doesn't. It's not a sundial because Stonehenge doesn't quite work that way. I've tried to figure it out. Um, uh, I mean, I figured out how to use sundials. I love sundials. I really do. 
We've got a great one. It's called they call it a sun clock. Um, but I, I, I have a good compass, and I figured out how to use the compass as a sundial. And, and it's all quite wonderful, this whole thing, because what it really amounts to is the movement of the sun um, in the sky, which is purely apparent based upon, of course, the rotation of the Earth on its axis and the revolutions of the Earth around the sun, along with the moon and Mars and Jupiter and Saturn and, and of course, oftentimes Uranus. Thank you for, <laughs> I say that carefully. Um, so it's kind of a remarkable thing, time, and it's, it's about motion and it's about getting older. Uh, it's about a whole heck of a lot of things. Now, when I was 10 and I had that watch for a little while, I read Alice, the Alice in Wonderland and Alice Through the Looking Glass books. <sighs> it's hard to explain what what reading those books did to me. They were so weird and so trippy, I'll use that term, that I actually feel they may have been my very first altered uh, states. I felt ripped reading those, and I was 10 years old. And I came to one story in particular, one thing in the book in particular, which is The Walrus and the Carpenter, which is one of my favorite poems. Now, it starts out, The sun was shining on the sea, shining with all his might. He did his very best to make the billows smooth and bright, and this was odd, because it was the middle of the night. The moon was shining sulkily because she thought the sun had got no reason to be there after the day was done. It's very rude of him, she said, to come and spoil the fun. That blew me away. Now, I knew it was just a poem. I knew it wasn't real. I knew it. But I had this image of the sun shining at midnight. Now, of course, it does that in the northern latitudes, right? Uh, southern as well. Um, you can have that midnight sun in all sorts of places, right? But for some reason, um, this image of the sun and moon and the, the beating down, and it, it kind of made me obsess about this concept of time. What is the nature of time? It also threw me into great interest into the movement of the planets and the movement of the sun. It was probably responsible for my interest in things like astrology and astronomy, of course, right? Um, I, I became kind of familiar with time zones because they'd say, you know, and this show will be on at 6 p.m. Central and 5 p.m., you know, that sort of thing. And so I checked into that. And without the watch, I just, you know, relied on the old um, electric alarm clock. Oh, God. Is there ever a sound more disdainful than the electric alarm clock? Oh, God. Every morning for years and years. <clears throat> Pardon me if I have a drink of coffee here after that. Because you have to wake up after you say something like that. So, and my dad... He woke up exactly at 6 o'clock every morning, ever since I knew him. Except if it was on the weekend, in which case he would sleep in. I don't know how he did. I asked him once, how do you do that? He said, I just know what time I have to get up. I tried that, and I was late for school. I mean, I missed the bus completely, and everyone yelled at me, and, you know, it did not work. <laughs> so, um, you know, even though he had a clock, and a little clock radio my mom bought him, he didn't need any of that stuff. He just woke up. Now, my kid brother, I think, uh, the chef, 
Um, his name's Happy. That's his nickname, you know. But he, um, he, I, I had to uh, share a bed with him for about a week. Oh God, this is his adult. Oh God. Actually, he was pretty quiet. I think I'm the bad snorer, you know. Uh, but um, he boing, eyes would open up at you know whatever it was, like four thirty or five, because chefs get up early and bounce out of bed, take a shower, and gone. I was like, how does he do that? I think he did it exactly the same way my dad did. I don't have that ability. I just don't. Which is okay. Doesn't matter. So anyway, um, when I was about 15, my parents got me an Elgin watch. And it was uh, self-winding, which was just a miracle. I wore it all the time. I wore it to bed. I wore it to school. Um, By that time, I think you were allowed to have a watch. Um, I still have it somewhere in its original box. Um, I think the band broke, which was common, and I just quit wearing it. And then, well, I became a freak. (laughs) And I didn't need time anymore. So what time is it? I think it's Tuesday, man. I'm pretty sure it's Tuesday. And the sun's up. So it's Tuesday day. Oh, it's not? Oh, oh, I don't know. What's on TV? That'll tell you. Um, yeah, <laughs> I was, ah, there was a time when I didn't need to watch much. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, there was a, it's funny. I was driving around, um, my dad in 1961 bought a, a, a Thunderbird. And I drove that Thunderbird when I was in high school. And it, the, the clock hadn't worked since about a year after he bought it. I had dozens of friends who had co- clocks in their cars, and not one of them ever worked. Not one person's clock worked. What is that? Now they work because they're all digital and so on. But can you imagine? None of these clocks worked. And I just thought, why are they in these cars? You know, some were real fancy looking clocks. Um, certainly that was the case in the T Bird. Um, but it hadn't worked in, in you know, years, 10 years. Um, and so you, you kind of learn to kind of judge time by, you know, uh, what time is it? And there I call the phone thing, you know, with the timing and so on and so forth. Uh, but I actually was really, really obsessed with time. Now, if you've never read J.B. Priestley's book, Man in Time, um, if you want to get really kind of what, you should do so. It's a, it's kind of a cool book. Um, it's actually a very cool book. It's about time and time loops and lapses, and it's about conundrums and paradoxes. Uh, it's really quite fascinating. Quite fascinating. Um, I suggest it. I read some Buddhism about time. It'll blow your mind, man, as we used to say. Uh, even Taoism is is really kind of... All major philosophies talk about time. Some philosophies and religions talk about the end of time. Like, okay, this is going to happen, and then everything's going to end. Um, some people believe in the rapture, that when that happens, they're going to ascend to heaven, and, and, and the rest of us, yeah, I'm, I'm sure <laughs> I'll be here. Because um, you say a few things, you know, and if, you know, I mean, if there's that sort of thing going on, it's probably going to happen. Um, then I'll be back here, you know, saying, okay, well, can I have this guy's house? I don't want that. I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want that house. But it's interesting because we all kind of 
look at the idea that our time is quite limited. It really is when you stop and think about it. I mean, um, it's not a morbid thought. It's just the truth. And, you know, the older you get, you kind of go, I get it. Because the world changes so much, I just don't think I'd be able to deal with it. Now, I'm, I'm reading Rip Van Winkle right now, which, of course, is about time. Actually, it's about a, a miserably henpecked husband who uh, who takes off and, you know, just to get away from things, especially Dame Van Winkle, as she's known, because she's real rough on him, you know, but he's lazy. He's lazy. He helps everybody else but his own family. I've known types like that. Um, and so, you know, he goes up and he plays nine, well, he doesn't play nine pins, he just drinks. He watches the other people playing, they're not people, whatever they are. And, and he, I'm just to the point where he goes back to his village and his house is in disrepair and everything has changed. Now, you know, not a spoiler, I hope, but he's been, you know, sleeping for like 20 years or actually quite hungover. That's a heck of a hangover, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, man, I I got, uh, I did, he's had a really rough night in 76 and I'm still dealing with it, you know. Um, that's an interesting thought. I wonder how much of that is true. You have these episodes that are so heinous that they affect you. For, that's certainly true if, if something happens to you, but I wonder if there's some things that go on inside the mind. Ah, there's something to think about. Anyway, um, so... He goes back and it's all changed. And I, I haven't finished it yet. I mean, I read it years ago. I like to read things and, you know, especially classics because you think you know what they're about. If you read also by Washington Irving, um, the, the Ghost of Sleepy Hollow. No, that's not what it's called. It's called, um, is it called just Sleepy Hollow? God, see, you get old. That's time right there. The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Thank you so much. You in the back. Thank you. So um, it's really about corrupt government in many ways. I mean, you know, there's this big thing about Ichabod Crane and what a jerk he is. I mean, he really is a jerk. He's a complete uh, snoid, you know. And Ichabod Crane, he, um, he, you know, in the end he disappears and there's this, oh, what happened to him? Well, the book tells you what happened to him. He went back to New York and he became a politician. And, and so the whole thing is this great story Rich can be to basically tell you that politicians are are jerks and that they're corrupt. Now, that obviously could never be true, but it's a good myth, right? Because we know politicians are never corrupt and, and aren't, aren't, you know. Okay, anyway, so. Ah, oh, man. Read Moby Dick. Boy, the way that Melville writes about time is it's really immensely beautiful. Of course, I, I, every now and then I just pick the book up, open it up to some page and begin reading. And invariably, I'm completely blown away by his writing. I mean, you talk about a man of a different time. You know what he did for a living? He was a, he was a customs agent. Yeah. And he wrote this book. I just love the book. So time, I think by the time you get to be like I am in my mid-60s now, you, you kind of go, you know what, this world changes too much. I probably wouldn't be overly comfortable for a heck of a lot. I mean, you know, if I lived to be 300 years, I'd probably just be yelling at people all the time. 
you know, grumpy and saying, get off my lawn or, or get off that square of linoleum that's mine or something. You know, who knows? So what are the benefits of time? To me, um, I love time. Why? Because it's, it's happening around us all the time. Thank you so much. And um, why not love that fact? Why not celebrate that fact that time is and we are? So we are in time with time and kind of timeless. More like. I like the cross-quarter days. You know, they're the equinoxes and the solstices, right? The vernal equinox, the summer solstice, the autumnal equinox, and then the winter solstice. But they're also cross-quarter days. They happen about 45 days after those others. So we have in bulk, which is right around Hogs Day. Hogs Day. <laughs> I think I'm going to start Hogs Day. <laughs> Groundhogs Day. And then there's Beltane, which is right around the summer um, uh, the first day of May Day, actually. Yeah, Beltane is the first day of summer in the old calendars. And then, of course, we have Lunasa, which happens in August, the Festival of Loaves, it's called, or Candlemas. And then we have the great, the daddy of them all, Samhain, Halloween, the big, big, big kahuna, and I don't mean that disrespectfully, it's just big deal, of... Um, of cross-quarter days. So every 45 days you could celebrate something. What could be wrong in that? Why wouldn't you do that? You know? Why wouldn't you observe the passage of time with joy? And sometimes with great reverence. You know? Time is a wild thing, man. I mean, we just passed the 20th anniversary of the Columbine massacre. The tragedy there. And I knew one of the victims, and so it, 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 you kind of go, wow, I can't believe it's been 20 years. I mean, I remember how I felt. I remember how I felt the day it happened. Um, it's stunning how time can go by so quickly, but I would be willing to bet anything that for the relatives of those poor kids and that teacher, that it's been slow and draggy. I would bet it. So I think it's important to understand that time can be relative. And if you fill it up with good things, if you fill it up with positive things, it goes so much better. I haven't been bored in 40, 45 years because I, I keep doing things and keep track of time as much as possible. This is a wonderful ride, this life of ours. It's a great time. And, and so I, I believe in keeping track of it. Now, let me talk about this watch for just a second. My friend Bjorn, um, he's a good guy, and he's got this watch, and it's, this is the seventh version of it, I think. New one coming out. The, um, uh, it's called the World Watch. I'm not going to describe it. If you're interested, just go to yeswatch.com. He's got a Kickstarter thing going. You can tell Mo sent you because I want him to know he's supportive. But you'll be blown away at what this watch does. And, and, and when you first look at it, it's like, wow, can do all this stuff. But let me tell you something. Um, I use it all. I love the concept of, of not being a master of time, 
but just being aware of it on so many levels. You can look at it and see exactly when the sun is rising and setting graphically. You can see when noon is. You can see when the moon rises and sets graphically. All in one, and you can see the, the phase of the moon. And if you want, you've got the time there. And it's a just, it's a wild concept. He's a genius. It's a brilliant thing. But anyway, no matter what you have, and if you don't like to keep track of time, don't. I just love it. Why? Because I've always been into it. But more than that, I always have something to look forward to. Always. It's a wonderful feeling, kind of keeping my head on about what time it is and where things are going. Yeah. All right. I think I've I've worn that one out. Don't you think so? I, I, I do think so. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening. Um, and I'm convinced we will talk again soon. Uh, I, I'm not on a real steady schedule, but I am doing these uh, as the spirit moves upon me. So, and right now it moves upon me to say, I better stop while I'm ahead. Until next time, thank you. I wish you all peace and love. Bye-bye.